This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to the Disability Law Show. John Scholes here, always, and uh, proud and happy and always jazzed to have alongside the co-founding partners, Samfiru Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, Savan Tamarkin. And, of course, on the show this time around, Darren Saul, some brand new blood, some fresh point of view for the show today. So we'll hear from Darren a little later on. And uh, good to have you aboard, pal. Want to get right into our, our emails and correspondence, guys. We've got so much to get through over the next hour. Uh, by the way, anytime during this hour you figured, okay, i got to ask the guys that, you can reach out uh, to Darren, you can reach out to Zavan or a member of their team. They'll hook you up, no problem. Uh, toll free anytime you like, one 855 821 That would be the number, the email address we're about to go to, which you can use. In fact, I'll give you two ways to reach out through your phone or your keyboard, whatever. Help at disabilityrights.ca, obviously the email. There's also another route. It's a website, free and anonymous, called mydisabilityquestions.com. We go to that quite often because it's handy. It's easy for you to navigate. You can also search the database of previously asked questions there, which is nice. It'll save you some time. Maybe someone had your question previously and had it answered. If not, type it in, leave it there anonymously, and uh, somebody at the firm will uh, will reply back shortly. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. So so there you go. Let's get started, guys. Uh, in fact, this one comes from that website. Uh, Lori is the name I'm going to give you. It says, uh, my friend has just been advised by her insurer that her employer has changed their mind and can no longer accommodate her gradual return to work plan. And that the insurance company will pay out the gradual return to work plan and close her claim. She's supposed to speak with the insurer later today. I worked for this employer and she is the third person to go on LTD due to our immediate supervisor. Two others found employment elsewhere. Did not return. I quit before I ended up on LTD myself. Can they do this? I do not trust this employer. I believe the supervisor does not want her back. He had previously told me that he had known an employee that went on LTD had quote-unquote issues. He wouldn't have hired them and then told me she would be fired. I believe she would speak with a lawyer before she speaks to the insurance company, correct? Wow. Yeah, John, first of all, this is uh, this is a mouthful. Um, and by the way, I'm happy that we have Darren here on the show, uh, lawyer in BC. He's got experience in BC and in Alberta. Uh, very experienced. And so uh, he hasn't been on the show before, so I, I want to welcome him. Uh, and uh, he's definitely going to add uh, some value here when we answer these questions. So let's get to this this uh, question. This is a very interesting question because, uh, like many times when we talk about this, John, our firm has a particular specialty in two areas of law, employment law and disability law. And as you can see just from this question, these intersect. Oftentimes there's an interplay, people who go on LTD as a result of workplace issue. And we talked about before what happens in a situation where the employer is really at fault for the person developing a psychological condition, be it PTSD or uh, depression or anything else that then prevents them from working. And at the same time, the individual is also having issue with their LTD insurance company who wants to cut them off. Because again, insurance companies are in the business of making money and one of the ways they make money is cutting people off or stopping their payments. And so, again, great that Darren's here because he does a lot of employment law work as well, so he can chime in. Here's what I want to get out to people. If you have an issue with your employer, 
as an employee or with your LTD insurer, we can help you on both fronts. In this case here, clearly the employer has done a uh, 180, is not agreeing to a gradual return to work. And as Darren can opine on this and provide information, employers do have an obligation to accommodate. In some instances where they don't, we can go after them because they're breaching their obligations under the law. They have to act uh, the way employers must act under the law. They have to accommodate. Now, the insurance company, however, in this case, is also cutting the person off. It's telling them, look, we're going to pay you through the gradual return to work. Then we're going to end your benefits. Mm-hmm. One of the things I would like to know here, with respect to this lady here who wrote us, is whether or not her condition, her psychological condition that prevents her from working, is now generalized or situational. Let me explain what that means. Yeah. LTD insurers, long-term disability insurers, will sometimes deny claims from individuals uh, on the basis that whatever condition is disabling them from working is situational, meaning it has to do with the particular workplace, let's say a toxic work environment. Now, as uh, one of our other colleagues uh, and frequent host James Fireman likes to say, long-term disability insurance is not bad boss insurance. For that, you have people like Darren who can help you go after the employer if the employer uh, is not acting the way they should and there's a toxic work environment. But in some situations, the condition, the disabling condition becomes generalized, meaning it's no longer specific to that workplace. It's no longer a situation where if I, if I put you, John, in a different work environment, you'd be able to thrive. Mm-hmm. As a result of what's happened in your current workplace, now you are just depressed and it doesn't matter where you start working, it could be a different office, it can be a different country, whatever it is, you are now depressed. You simply cannot work. In other words, you have a general condition now that disables you from working. It's not specific to that workplace anymore. In that situation, the insurance company is the one that must pay LTD. You can still go after the employer for causing it in the first place, but the insurance company is responsible responsible for paying LTD payments. In this case here, it's a little bit unclear. It appears that Obviously, there is a problem with this employer. Obviously, there are other individuals in that place of employment that have gotten really you know, bad and have not been able to work. So clearly, there is a, I think, probably for constructive dismissal against the employer, I would assume, Darren can tell us. But also, I think if this lady here who writes to us suffers from a generalized condition, meaning that psychologically, she simply cannot work at this point in time. And if she has doctors who confirm this, and it has nothing to do anymore with her particular workplace, it's more wide-ranging than that, more generalized than that. She simply cannot work, period, not just in her workplace. Her insurance company should not be stopping her benefits. They should be continuing to pay her benefits. So we can help her, again, both with the LTD side of the claim here as well as with the employment side of the claim here. And, you know, John, we can do a full show just on that interplay because, again, you got to be careful. You don't want to go to a lawyer that only has a specialty in LTD who doesn't understand employment law because guess what? One side of the practice, one side of the issue impacts the other. So really important to understand here. Dan, I'm not sure if uh, you have anything to add here. I tried to be as fulsome, but I'm sure as an employment lawyer slash LTD lawyer, you probably see these kinds of issues all the time, right? Thanks, guys, for the gracious introduction. I'm happy to be here. And, and this is a great question, Sven. You, you covered the, the LTD stuff uh, amazingly, as always. Uh, from the employment end, yeah, I mean, this this is definitely seems like a, a great case for constructive dismissal. Um, like you alluded to and, and, and said, the employer does have a duty to accommodate where you have a physical or uh, mental disability or condition which is preventing you from working, whether it's caused from the workplace or not, your employer does have a duty to accommodate you 
um, in the workplace. So that could be in the, in, in the form of breaks, that could be in the form of changing who you're reporting to if it's a workplace issue. If it's with a supervisor, that could definitely lead you into um, claiming a termination for toxic workplace and as well going after human rights damages. Um, so I think, you know, based on this question, you know, we obviously need more information, but I think, you know, your Lori's friend here would have a, a great claim for, for pursuing the employer on, on the one end and then the LTD insurer potentially on the other. Again, guys, reaching out anytime, uh, Darren now too, and uh, of course, Savannah, especially one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. That is uh, that is how we roll. Lori, thank you so much for your correspondence. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com, anytime you feel like it, to reach out and ask your questions as well. All right, Savannah, again, so much, uh, so much more to get through, pal. Where are we heading next? John, there's a question that was posted from a gentleman in Edmonton. Yes. And uh, I want to read that out. It's quite interesting. And I want to see if Darren has any thoughts on that as yep. well. I'll, I'll take the first stab here. You bet. So, so this person writes, and by the way, again, mydisabilityquestions.com, free website. And if you go, you'll see on that website those questions and the answers that we give. Again, free answers. Uh, so if you have a question, if you have a friend that has a question, please post those questions. It also helps others, right? Because it's searchable. People can actually find these answers based on keywords. Uh, many of these questions are very similar, but again, the facts are always different. So let's go to this one. This is from Carl in Edmonton. He writes, I'm a surgeon, 55 years old, and have moderate osteoarthritis and get my wrists injected every three to four months for the last two years. It is getting more difficult to operate all the time, and my wrist surgeon thinks I may only be able to get a half dozen more injections. I've always paid my disability insurance with a same <laughs> occupation rider. My question is, once I go on disability, will there be an expectation that at some point before I'm 65, that my wrists will magically repair and I will go back to operating? How is longevity assessed with respect to LTD? This is a very, very interesting um, bunch of questions and a scenario here. I feel really bad for, for mm -hmm. Carl, but it's not unique. Let me break this down. We're dealing with a very sophisticated party, obviously someone here who's a surgeon, probably has 30 years under his belt doing surgery. So he knows everything there is to know probably about his own condition yeah. uh, and understands what the ramifications are of not being able to operate. He mentioned something interesting, something we don't typically see in the majority of policies, LTD policies out there. He mentioned a same occupation rider. I want to address that because it feeds into the answer, the general answer here for the, for the questions he has. Many professionals lawyers, accountants, engineers, doctors, and others, when they get private disability insurance, private long-term disability insurance uh, um, coverage, they often are offered a professional uh, policy. What does that mean? It means that they can pay extra for a policy that allows them to get long-term disability if they cannot perform their own occupation to age 65, sometimes even longer than that. Now, Let's put that in perspective. And John, we've covered this many times before. Yep. Under general policies, LTD policies out there, generally, here's what they say. They say that if you cannot do, if you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years of being disabled, you get LTD, you get yes. your payments. Typically, they're about 60 to 70% of your pre-disability income. So if your income is 100 grand, typically you get anywhere from 60 to $70,000 uh, for the year if you cannot work again for the first two years beyond the two-year mark though the test changes 
in most of the policies. Most of these policies then say that in order to continue getting LTD, you have to be unable to perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. Not just your own occupation, but any occupation. So let's put this in perspective here. If Carl, who's a surgeon here, had the general type policy that contains those two tests, right, that the test changes after the two-year mark, well then, if for the first two years he cannot operate, he cannot conduct surgery because of his wrist issues, he gets LTD. But after the two-year mark, arguably, he can teach surgery. Right. doesn't need his wrists necessarily. And so the insurer would arguably uh, cut him off and say, look, he can do something else for which you're suited for and have education for. But he doesn't have that kind of a policy. He has a special policy, a professional's policy that has a same occupation rider. That test doesn't change at the two-year mark. In fact, for him, the test throughout the life of the policy until age 65 is can you do your own occupation? Can you perform the tasks of your own occupation? If he's a surgeon, can you operate? And so to answer his question now, to answer his question, uh, will there be an expectation that before he's 65, his wrist will magically repair? Well, of course there wouldn't be. But like many policies out there, especially with professionals, insurers will try to cut him off at some point, I suspect. And so that's why it's a very good idea for him to speak with us so we can prepare him and explain to him what his options are going forward. Carl, nicely done. Really appreciate, again, the correspondence. We have so many more to get through, but we'll take a short pause, guys. Uh, Savan and Darren, always here to answer your questions. On the other side, one 821 5900 That is the toll-free number. The email address, help at disabilityrights.ca. And any other time, the website that was constructed to be anonymous but helpful and free, mydisabilityquestions.com. Short break and right back at it. More Disability Law Show is coming up. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. All right, welcome back. Thanks for hanging in there. Disability Law Show as we continue. Uh, on the air, talking to you every week is Savannah Tamark and co-founding partners Sam Firu Tamark and LLP, the most positively reviewed Law firm in the country, and Darren here as well. Darren Saul always joining us, and or at least starting to join us now from the West Coast, taking care of BC and Alberta as well. Can reach out anytime to these lads and their team at one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca, the email, and a lot of our correspondence on this show and many more come through mydisabilityquestions.com. That is a free and anonymous way to ask your questions anytime. Guys, want to get to Ron's question here. Uh, it says, hello. Hi, guys. In 2019, I got diagnosed with a condition called, here we go, dermatomyositis. I think that's close. Uh, I've been on LTD since then. Today, almost four years later, my insurance company calls me and says they're cutting off my benefits effective August 31st based on some surveillance they have. Uh, I cannot work. I'm not able to. I've asked for a letter and surveillance. I would like to discuss next steps with you. I saw your show on TV. Uh, That is how I got your contact. Thank you, Ron. What do you say about that, guys? Well, thanks. Thanks for that, John. I'll, I'll jump in on this one here. So, so this is a fairly common occurrence in, in a lot of personal injury and long-term disability claims where an insurer, after a certain period of time, will put surveillance on um, the, the patient or the, the client in this case. And based on that, we'll uh, cut them off. Now, a lot of the times, the surveillance is uh, amounts to not much. 
Um, for example, this kind of feeds into what disability means in the terms of a policy. Total disability does not always mean you can't do anything. It's, it's typically defined by the contract. It just means you cannot perform, as Savan talked about earlier. Um, it just means for the first two years, typically you can't perform the, the essential duties of your own occupation. And after that, it just means you can't perform the essential duties of another occupation, mm. um, typically where you can earn a certain proportion of your um, predisability income. Um, you know, I think what, what Ron's done here is, is, is great. He's done all the right things. He's asked the insurance company to say, hey, give me, give me the letter that you guys are basing this on. Give me the surveillance you're basing this on. Let me see. A lot of the times there's innocuous and innocent explanations for what's going on. Um, you know, I've had cases where people have been denied for, you know, having shoulder issues where they were caught opening doors for other people using the, the injured shoulder. Right. Just because you can open a door for someone doesn't mean your shoulder's not injured. Um, but the like like Savannah has always said and in, in, in Martin has always said in these shows, you know, the insurance companies are in the business of making money and they will find any reason to cut you off in the hopes that you won't contact a lawyer. So I think Ron's done the right thing here. He's he's asked for the evidence, he's asked for what they're basing this on, and he's reached out to contact a lawyer to say, Hey, you know, what's going on here? You know, do I have any rights? This doesn't feel right. And and I think Ron's right on the money with that. You know, it's excellent uh, answer here, Darren. I agree with everything you've said. One of the things I want to highlight uh, is is that um, he said that he's been on LTD for essentially four years, and that means that he's past that two-year mark, meaning that he was approved for the four years when the insurance company agreed he cannot perform the essential tasks of his own occupation, and then he was on policy for an additional two years um, where the insurance company agreed he cannot perform uh, the essential tasks of any occupation. And then they suddenly do surveillance on him. Darren is absolutely right. This is not uncommon by insurance companies to do. It is a bit uncommon uh, or more rare to see them cutting someone off after they've approved them for the any occupation test. Uh, and the individual has been on LTD for more than two years. But when it comes to surveillance, a lot of time, it's a nothing burger, you know, to borrow a phrase that I hear sometimes on the news. It, it's insurance companies use it. I've seen them use it to gaslight an insured. And what happens is when the insurance company says, oh, we got surveillance of you doing X, Y, and Z, a lot of time, you know, as Darren said, it's innocuous, but it feels like such an invasion of privacy. And insurance companies are entitled, they are entitled, the courts have said, to perform some surveillance. They can't cross some lines, they, can, they cannot come into your home, they cannot interact with you directly, you know, they can do stuff like that. There are some things that they cannot do. And in fact, by the way, John, we had mentioned a website that we have with free memorandums, free informational uh, kits for people out there uh, to, to just get. It's called mm -hmm. ltdfaq.ca, right? ltdfaq.ca. Yep. There is an actual memo there where, that we prepared for people out there. Uh, who have questions about surveillance, where you can just go there and you'll see it. And it's, it's not legal speak. It's in regular language, English language. And uh, you, you can read about surveillance, what insurance companies can and cannot do, what you should do if there is surveillance, etc. So, again, I agree with Darren. It's great that Ron had contacted us because we can now help him through this. Now, the fact that he was cut off uh, LTD or is going to be cut off LTD, actually, he hasn't been cut off yet. It's great that he's being proactive and he's asking questions. And it's also true, Darren's correct. Many people would get so riled up, they would get so intimidated by the fact that the insurance company is cutting them off due to surveillance 
even if the surveillance shows nothing that disproves their disability, the people just say it's not worth it and walk away from money that's owed to them. I've seen this happen with people who are in their 30s and 40s where they're getting, you know, two, three, four, five thousand dollars a month, you know, upwards of sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, walk away from essential essentially policies that would pay them uh, you know, five hundred thousand dollars, seven hundred thousand, a million dollars over the next ten to twenty years of them being on disability simply because they are intimidated by the insurance company. That is the insurance company's ploy. That's what they want you to do. They want you to walk away. Ron didn't do that. He did the right thing. He contacted us. We're going to help him out. The other thing to consider is that many people who uh, are told that there's surveillance on them, a lot of times these individuals, uh, you know, tell me that look. There is surveillance of me going uh, swimming, for example, yep. in, in a pool, or me going and just doing some exercises at the gym. But guess what? My doctor prescribed those for me, right? So a lot of times people are just dumbfounded because they're following their doctor's advice. The insurance company just happened to get some pictures or videos of them from afar doing those things and then saying, well, you can work. If you can swim, you can work. Well, not if you're suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, not if you have severe anxiety or depression, and that's what's disabling you. You're not physically disabled. Yeah. So you see what I'm saying? In many instances, in fact, the vast majority of cases where somebody has been cut off LTD because of surveillance, when the person has come to us and we've gone over the surveillance with them, and with them we started a legal claim against the insurance company, we forced the insurance company to pay them what they're owed under the policy. So don't give up. Don't assume you have no rights. The insurance company is using this as a scare tactic, and oftentimes we can counter that surveillance. As uh, Sylvain mentioned there, yeah, ltdfaq.ca, really simple to navigate that. It's open and free for you to use. And the email address, help at disabilityrights.ca. And the phone number, sometimes you're more comfortable just picking up a phone and talking to somebody on the other line, whether it be uh, Savan or Darren or a member of the team, one 855 821 5,900. Moving on down the line, guys, we got uh, a note here from Roderick uh, emailed us, and uh, I'll read it, Savannah. I'll let you take a, take a shot at this one. Roderick says, I have a disability and uh, was with IATSE, union member, and, ins- uh, and insurances uh, with Canada. No, Wow. Wow. How does this guy learn to write? <laughs> Most of them are like that. Uh, John, I think I think what you say is uh, I have a disability and and um, my insurance I I didn't file my paperwork for my long term disability insurance in time. That's, that's okay. It. And then okay. continue on. Okay, here we go, guys. Another note here. This one, Roderick uh, simply says, you know, I have a disability and I didn't file my uh, papers with the insurance company in enough time, so I'm uh, not covered. He says, funny how CPP uh, didn't debate that I was really sick and approved me over the phone. Can you please let me know if you think I have a chance to get my long-term disability? Thank you. Roderick, what do you think, guys? Well, let me say this, uh, Roderick. Um, We've talked before on this show um, about insurance company denying claims on technicalities. Sometimes there are substantive denials where the insurance company says that they don't believe that you meet the definition of total disability under the policy. Uh, I mean, we challenge those all the time and we're successful in challenging them because most of the time I, we disagree with what the insurance company is saying. But sometimes insurance companies also cut people off or not cut people off, deny claims outright for what, what I term technical denials, technical reasons. One of the more common ones is when they tell you that, look, you were late by a day or a week or a month in filing your LTD application. Well, you know, technically they're correct except that we have case law, meaning there's been cases in history across the country, across Canada, 
where judges have said, well, what's the prejudice to you, insurance company, if the person was just late by a day or a week or a month? In fact, I had a case where my client was had a stroke, had a car accident, in fact, had a power of attorney through his son, so he actually wasn't capable of applying for LTD. And that application was almost two years late. And we still were able to force the insurance company to pay the policy. And so what I'm saying is that if the insurance company has denied your LTD claim on the basis of you not filing the paperwork in time, you have to come to us. You have to talk to us. We can look at all the documentation for free, and we will tell you if, in fact, the insurance company is correct, if they don't have to pay you, or what is more likely the, the case, they will have to pay you. And oftentimes when we get involved, we resolve these cases fairly quickly. That's the other thing, John, because insurance companies, they know, they know that, you know, if we get involved, we know what we're doing. We know what would happen if a judge saw a claim like this in front of them. They know that they would have to pay. But as a regular person, right, as a claimant out there not knowing this and agreeing with the insurance company that they're late, many people just simply assume, this is the key thing here, they assume that the insurance company is correct. Sure. And that's something that you see across the board, incidentally, that insurance, that individuals out there, when they're denied or cut off long-term disability, oftentimes assume that the insurance company is correct in their position. I can't tell you how many times that assumption has cost people hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. We fight these insurance companies each and every day, and we force them to pay. And you know what? We, we almost never take a case on where we eventually don't force the insurance company to pay what our clients are owed. Guys, let's take a short break, get back into more emails and, uh, and correspondence. I'll give you some numbers uh, as we lead off into a break here. You can call Savan or Darren anytime. they got a great team with them as well, 1-855-821-5900. You want more of a, a private conversation, that's the way to do that. Help at disabilityrights.ca, the email address, and then there's also mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll continue. Stand by. More Disability Law Show is coming right up. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And just like that, we're back. The Disability Law Show Weekly here. And uh, you want to reach out to either Darren or Savan or their team, you can do so. Phone call, the best way, right? If you want a conversation with them over the phone, one 821 5900 No charge, no toll. You're good to go. And email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. You can also use this free and anonymous website built for you to ask questions and search for past questions similar to yours called My disabilityquestions.com uh, let's get to this one guys a, a simple question short but sweet but says I've been an LTD since uh, 2010 as per most amount is based on 66% of my income at that time with cost of living increases over the past 12 years um, is there any way I can get increases for cost of living thanks John I'll, I'll jump in on this one here so it, it's a great question and um, you know this person's been on LTD since 2010 so for for 13 or 12 years now um, and obviously the cost of living especially in, in BC and and Alberta and well, across Canada has increased substantially throughout that time um, with any LTD issue there you know we always go back to the contract we always go back to the mm -hmm. policy and what a lot of people will find, I've had this time and time again, where they'll come and they'll ask this question and they'll say, well, you know, can I get a cost of, you know, three grand a month isn't what it used to be. It doesn't buy what it used to buy. 
And a lot of the times when you review these policies, there is provisions for cost of living increases in those contracts that has just not been honored by the insurer. And in those cases, you can definitely, definitely go after them for that because they have a duty to execute that contract in good faith. They have, a, they have a duty to you know, pay you in accordance with the terms of the contract. Unfortunately, if you don't have that cost of living increase provision in your contract, there isn't a general obligation on them to right. readjust your payments. I, uh, you know, to account for the cost of living at 66% of your pre-disability income. And in this case, it's 66%. Um, you know, and if that's what it is, that's what it is. If there's no formula in the contract, then, then you'd be stuck without that. But, you know, it's always a good idea to get the policy, have a read over it, um, and, you know, contact us to have a look at it as well. You know, that, that can always help. So I think this person's doing the right thing. They've, they've you know, looked at this and, and you know, had that thought, and, and then they're reaching out for some more information. Savannah, what do you think, pal? Yeah, I agree with everything Darren says, and it's always a good idea when you're an LTD to request, even from the beginning, from the outset, a copy of your LTD policy. You're entitled to it as an insured person. Now, sometimes you have LTD through work, through a group policy, so you can get that policy potentially even from your HR department, uh, your employer, but if not, through the uh, insurance company directly. I will tell you, we have a colleague, uh, Darren, I think he just actually emailed our group right uh, earlier this week where the employer uh, or the individual has expressed a concern that their policy does contain a provision for a cost of living increase, but the policy is being administered by a third party. So what happens sometimes is you have companies, let's say a bank as an example, they're the ones paying the LTD, but they have no expertise in these kinds of insurance claims. And so they'll hire a third party, let's say an insurance company to administer the actual policy. In that case, what appears to have happened is that the insurer or whoever is the administrator screwed up and didn't pay this person the cost of living increase all these years. Uh, I suspect that we can just resolve this fairly quickly with a phone call or a letter uh, you know, stating that the policy contains a cost of living increase provision and then they'll pay that person retroactively, maybe even something extra you know, for, 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 for everything that happened. Uh, but Darren's right. It goes back to the policy. It goes back to the policy. And the other thing is this. Sometimes people don't get the cost of living increase and they're told by their adjusters there is no such provision in their policy. Again, I'm not saying these adjusters are trying to mislead, but you should look at your own policy. Get a copy of it. Skim through it. If you don't know uh, what certain terms mean, check them out. By the way, that website I mentioned before that we have, ltdfaq.ca, contains a memo that provides definitions and explanations of the most common terms that you find in LTD policies. Uh, I, I highly recommend that you go there. It's free, uh, free of charge. So again, I agree with everything that Darren has said here. It comes back to the policy. Every time we have an argument with the insurance company, it comes back to the contract. It comes back to the fact that in our view, in many instances, insurance companies just don't honor those contracts. And, and that's what we do. We force them to honor them. Guys, let's move on to another note. This from Kenton says, hey, guys, I'm on LTD and CPP disability, and my condition is permanent. I've had both my hips replaced and will need my knees replaced in the future. I've been on LTD and CPP since 2016. I sent a letter from my doctor who was retiring in 2020, and it states that my condition will prevent me from working in the future. I still need a cane and use a walker to walk. My condition is not getting better. I just received a letter from my insurance company stating that they want updated letters. I recently found another doctor 
and have sent the update form to him, but the last letter I provided states that my condition will not get better. I've also asked the insurance company for a copy of my policy three times, still haven't received it. I have everything documented and have all my letters and notes. I don't know what to do in this situation. If my condition is not going to improve, why does the insurance company want more info? So I'll, I'm happy to take this one, John. I appreciate that. And, and Kenton's got a, a great question here and one that I'm sure is faced by many, many people out there. Um, so, I mean, first, let's talk about the policy. He's requested that three times and they haven't given it to him. I mean, he needs to keep following up with that. And, and it may be a good time to talk to a lawyer about that as well. He's mm-hmm. owed that policy. They have, they have a, an obligation to provide that to him. When we look at the update for info, you know, he, he stated, Kenton stated that his... Uh, doctor has said his condition's not getting better. The insurer, you know, they've approved him for for years now. Um, you know, the, the insurer is re- is entitled to updated information at, at intervals. You know, sometimes conditions can improve. It seems though, from his condition, that hips are being replaced and knees are being replaced. That is is a physical disability here that's not going to be getting better anytime soon. Um, you know, but in any event, you know, you do have a requirement under the terms of the policy, typically, to provide updated medical information uh, on request from the insurer to ensure that your disability is ongoing um, within the terms of the policy. So I don't know if Savannah has anything else you'd like to, to add to that. You know, I mean, just like the other questions, I think you've done a good job here in explaining it, uh, Darren. I will tell you that in my experience, when insurance companies keep asking for more and more information, when it's absolutely clear, abundantly clear that the person's condition will not get better, usually you're dealing with a degenerative condition or sometimes in a case like this with the hips being replaced, etc. To me, it's a prelude to the insurance company getting ready to cut the person off. I mean, that's where the spidey sense comes in, right? You know that there is a problem here. It simply doesn't make any sense. By the way, John, you didn't mention this, but this guy mentions who the insurance company is, and I've dealt with this insurance companies many times before. I mean, we know these insurers and they know us because mm-hmm. we go after them all the time in Ontario, BC, and Alberta. They know us really well. And so we will be in touch with this individual, with Kenton here. I do think that there are certain things he can do uh, to potentially help avoid a cutoff um, and, and we'll provide him this information. But the reality is that the insurance company, if they're intent on cutting him off, he needs to be prepared and we need to be prepared to attack them and go after them and force him to pay him what he's owed. But really, he's done everything he could have done, just like uh, Darren has said. Uh, and the fact that he's in touch with us now, we can guide him. Again, it doesn't cost anything for anyone to come to us with these kinds of questions and for us to help you if you are in a predicament and if you feel sort of outgunned by the insurance company. Trust me, we can help you and we can definitely even that playing field. We'll try to uh, get one or two more emails and questions in, guys, as after we get to this uh, this final break of the hour. So stick around for it. In the meantime, write it down, one 821 5900 that number to reach out to Darren and Savannah and their respective teams. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. And, again, mydisabilityquestions.com is another place for you to ask questions anonymously, mydisabilityquestions.com. Short break and back with the remainder of the show right here, the Disability Law Show. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. 
Hey, hey, welcome back. This is the Disability Law Show. So good to have you tuning in. If uh, this is uh, another week-to-week thing for you, I know I can come back because you always get great information and it might inspire you to pick up that phone and make that phone call for yourself, possibly on behalf of a, a friend or a family member who's dealing with an insurance company and needs some guidance for sure. Well, uh, you know, Darren and Savannah, in fact, the entire team is always ready to uh, to pick it up and talk and uh, get you some uh, some answers anyway. one 821 5900 is how you do that over the phone. And with your tablet, uh, your phone, your keyboard, desktop, doesn't matter, help at disabilityrights.ca, the email address, and this website, free, anonymous, mydisabilityquestions.com. Again, that's where we go for this particular question. From Dennis writes in, says, hey, guys, I have a complex situation and was wondering if I need legal help. Over a year ago, I suffered an eye condition that affects the sight in one eye. I went to my family doctor, and he immediately issued a note for me to be off work to go through testing in order to find my problem. Since then, I went from STD to LTD. I've gone through much testing, and no diagnosis has been given yet. The insurance company has requested me to return to work with my present employer in another position with uh, fewer hazards that I could perform regardless of my eye issue. My employer replied to say they have no position available. Now the insurance company has requested a vocational evaluation for me to see what it will take to find another job slash occupation or if retraining will be required. I'm not sure what this means. However, it seems like I'm being dismissed from my present employer. I'm 61 years of age and worked for this company for over seven years. With my hopes of retirement only a few years away, I was wondering what my legal options are at this time. Thank you, says Dennis. Wow. Wow. Dennis from Calgary. Um, Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, a lot to unpack here. Let me take this one step at a time. First of all, he starts off by saying, I have a complex situation and was wondering if I need legal help. If you wonder if you need legal help with your long-term disability insurance company, then you need legal help. Okay, don't wonder. If you have questions, that's where you post all your questions on mydisabilityquestions.com or you call us or you email us. John is giving out the contact information. Remember, all this is free. We give out this information for free to educate the public. Now, he's talking about an eye condition. He's unable to work. He has a doctor that has confirmed this. He's been transitioned from short-term disability to long-term disability. What's interesting here is that the insurance company is saying, well, maybe you can do some other position, some other job at your company. Well, first of all, remember that for the first two years of any LTD policies, the test for you getting LTD is can you perform the essential tasks of your own occupation, not another occupation, your own occupation. So the insurance company does not have the right to tell him to do another job within that two-year period. They must pay him. That's number one. This is contractual. This is under the, the policy. Number two, uh, the insurance company here is now saying to him that they want him to be seen by a vocational assessor. Again, why does an insurance company want you to be seen for a vocational evaluation? It's because they're trying to assess if you can do some other job. Yeah. Usually we see this around that two-year mark. They want to understand whether or not they can say to you that you can do some other occupation for which you're suited for based on your training, experience, or education. Because then if they come up with a whole bunch of occupations they say you can do in a, you know, uh, other than yours, then they can cut you off, or at least that's what they think. The problem with that is oftentimes they come up with a list of these occupations that are nonsensical, that simply don't make any sense. Hypothetically, maybe you're able to do them. 
maybe you've taken, I don't know, courses in computers when you were 20 years old, but when you're 61 years old, <laughs> if you've never dealt with computers after or in a very minimal way, well, you can't be expected to not compete against 20 year olds who are you know, doing computer engineering. So it's nonsense. But the reason why this is important here is because he is, he says, I'm being dismissed, or it looks like I'm being dismissed from my present employer. And this ties us back to the beginning of the show when I started the show by saying, our areas of expertise with our law firm is employment law, representing employees, and individuals dealing with long-term disability claims with their insurance companies. This person is 61 years old. He's worked for the company for over seven years. He's now between a rock and a hard place. He thinks he's gonna be let go by his employer. At the same time, his insurance company is trying to figure out a way to cut off his benefits. He's gonna be left without money. He's done exactly what he should have done by contacting us. Now, what we're gonna tell him is that first of all, the insurance company cannot cut him off. That's number one. They must pay him if he's disabled. Number two, if the employer ends up letting him go, well, he's entitled to severance and potential human rights damages because he is disabled from working and it's illegal to let someone go who's disabled from working under the human rights codes of, of most uh, uh, provinces and jurisdictions in the country. So again, we can help him with both of these issues. And you know, it's probably gonna be a combination of either Darren and myself or Darren himself, because Darren is an employment lawyer and an LTD lawyer. But again, John, an example of the kind of cases that we see with people who are in really dire straits when it comes to dealing with their insurance companies and with their employers, both of whom don't wanna pay them. Darren, I'll give you the last uh, 60 seconds of this one. You got any final comments about this case? All right. Th th thanks a lot, John. Uh, you know, Sivan answered everything perfectly. I, I think this goes to demonstrate the synergies of our practice areas here. A lot of the times you do have employment and disability issues that intersect and that play off each other. Here, you know, um, Dennis has a... Has potentially two claims that we have to make sure are protected and also pushed forward at the same time, um, you know, just to determine which way is going to be the best way for him to go in terms of compensation. Because like Savan said, if the insurance company cuts him off and his employer lets him go, he's going to be left with nothing. Um, and, and potentially he has two separate claims. So, you know, I, I think he's done the right thing and, and we're, we're, we're going to help him out. And that is it for another show, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, you want to reach out now to either Darren or Savannah or their teams. You can do it. I've been giving it to you all show, and I will give it to you one more time as far as the contact information is concerned. Phone number, one 821 5900 Email address, help at disabilityrights.ca. And the website, free and anonymous to ask even more questions, mydisabilityquestions.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you wrote in, your correspondence always makes the show better. And we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.